Hey, welcome to Space Gab. This is Mike Coletta. It's the 29th of July, 2022. Space Gab can be heard at www.spacegabpodcast.com. And once you're there, you can select a venue to listen to the episodes. Well, apparently, pieces and parts. SpaceX debris is scattered here and there. Pieces from the SpaceX mission, the Crew-1 mission, ended up on the ground in a sheep paddock. Yep, it sure did. Australia, in Australia. They got pictures and video, and I can share that with you, and that's on my Twitter feed, and that will be twitter.com slash Mike underscore Coletta. Anything I'm going to be talking about today can be found on that Twitter feed. There's links to the articles in their entirety. And in this case, a large piece of debris found in the middle of a sheep paddock could be space junk from a SpaceX mission and linked to a large bang heard across the region earlier this month. It's uh, interesting. They've got actually the um, video of the news report at uh, this website. It's the Australian ABC. And um, there's some pretty good pictures. And apparently uh, others that are um, space enthusiasts familiar with the Crew-1 trajectory have confirmed on Twitter that this, in fact, is debris from the SpaceX Crew-1. Actually, the trunk, the trunk of the spacecraft of the Dragon. So um, the trunk, it's, that's the uh, portion uh, that's attached to the actual capsule to the rear. Uh, you've seen it, uh, you know, when, when they released that, it came back down and entered the atmosphere. But anyway, <laughs> very interesting article uh, on this sh- uh, sheep farm where they were out and about. And, and here this thing, it looks like a monolith pretty much sticking out of the ground. So this thing came down and it impacted into the ground. You got to you got to check this out. Make sure you go to the Twitter feed and look at the link and you'll see photos and you'll see the video you hear eyewitness reports but it's definitely and it's been confirmed definitely uh charred debris from the SpaceX Crew 1 mission uh that went up to the ISS. So interesting stuff. So and, and now uh the individual who pointed this out um about finding this actually uh did travel to the uh, sheep um, ranch there and actually went uh, further away, actually uh, went out further and searching. And guess what? There's more debris even further than the debris they found uh, recently. And they did the story on. So apparently this new debris I don't think is part of this story, just the original uh, find. But very interesting. So if you want to go see a very interesting uh, fall from space, debris from the trunk of SpaceX's Crew-1 Dragon, go check it out. Super interesting article, and uh, it's really well done as far as the audio and the video and the explanation and the photos. And uh, I'm guessing we're going to probably see even more um, pictures, possibly, or maybe even more video on this new um, debris that they found a little bit further away. And this was Brad Tucker. 
It looks like his uh, Twitter handle is at btucker22. So btucker22. He's the one that says, and more pieces have been reported now a bit more west and north along the path. So that would be the orbital path uh, where it re-entered. So yeah, go check it out. Interesting stuff. Spacenews.com is reporting Maston Space Systems files for bankruptcy. Maston Space Systems, a company developing a lunar lander for a NASA mission, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy July 28th with plans to sell one of its major assets to a competitor. Maston filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware. The company, based in Mojave, California, reported having estimated assets of between $10 million and $50 million and an estimated liabilities in the same range. It says here the company is one of five that had won Commercial Lunar Payload Services, CLPS, awards from NASA to deliver payloads to the lunar surface. NASA issued an award originally valued at $75.9 million, Maston in April 2020, to develop, deliver a suite of experiments to the lunar surface using its XL-1 lander. The mission, originally scheduled for 2022, was pushed back to November 2023 because what the company said in June 2021 were pandemic-related supply chain issues. Well, maybe they were just a little bit more than that. But anyway, um, you got five companies here um, that are... Uh, you know, they want a commercial lunar payload services that would be bringing uh, items to the lunar surface uh, using, I guess, their own lunar landers. And in this case, Maston was going to be using the XL-1 lander. Well, if they're going to be selling their assets to a competitor, uh, I wonder if the competitor is going to be one of these remaining four who won the uh, commercial lunar payload services uh, contract. It'd be interesting to see, but uh, this is just breaking, and there's much more in that article if you'd like to go read it. Like, like I said, I do have a link to the entire article, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see who actually gets uh, the assets. Now, I couldn't imagine someone other than one of these other four companies, and they said it's it's a competitor, but um, if they sold their product to someone who wasn't already uh, awarded that commercial lunar payload services, you know, what would they do with that, uh, those assets? Because they're not on the uh, NASA contract. So I'm guessing um, it's logical. It would make, you know, make sense if they probably did sell it to one of those other, one of the four companies that uh, won the award along with them. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'll let you know uh, when we find out. Also from Space News, Draft Senate. Appropriations bill matches overall NASA request for fiscal year 2023. A draft Senate appropriations bill released July 28th would fund NASA at the same overall level the agency requested, but with adjustments to some science, technology, and exploration programs. Uh, Senator Patrick Leahy, chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, released a chairman's mark version of of 12 appropriations bills for fiscal year 2023, including the Commerce, Justice, and Science Bill that funds NASA. The bills are not the product of full committee negotiations, but 
instead reflect the priorities of the democratic leadership of the committee. It is my hope that by releasing these bills and making clear what the priorities of Senate Democrats are, we can take a step closer toward reaching a bipartisan compromise after months of stalled negotiations, Leahy said in a statement. The CJS bill includes $25.974 billion for NASA, the same overall level the agency requested in its fiscal year 2023 budget proposal. A separate uh, bill approved by House appropriators last month would provide NASA with $25.446 billion. Uh, let's see. So it looks good, I guess, um, so far, we've been talking about, you know, different things that are going around in the world, going on in the world, and uh, kind of worried about the space industry, um, you know, taking a hit. Now, it doesn't, in this uh, article, which is really extensive, I'd suggest if you're a space enthusiast focused on, you know, fiscal responsibility or finances for the space program, that you go check this out at the space news.com. Uh, I do have a link on my Twitter feed to this article. But, um, so it looks like for right now anyway, that uh, space is being looked at very, uh, you know, looking at it in a, in a good light. So that's good. Now, you know, I'm thinking one of those <laughs> reasons is because uh, China is just kicking butt with their space program, as we've talked about many, 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 many times on past uh, Space Gab podcasts. Um, so, you know, their their space program is just, you know, accelerating so quickly and successfully that I think uh, the U.S., those, those in charge of the space program and the financing of the space program and others who are interested in, you know, keeping America up there. Um, and, you know, they're, they're looking at China's space program. I'm going, Wow. And as we as we talked about probably what was it, maybe last month, month and a half ago, how I was saying that there wasn't much um, talk about China's space program from the official channels, uh, I, and I wondered why because so much was going on, and we reported so much going on, so much success going on with China's space program, and now you know they've got their as we talked about last week the. Um, next module, the laboratory module, has been added to their uh, CSS, their Chinese space station, uh, and it's, that's growing. And other you know, launches, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, are, are taking off and, and getting up there in, in space orbit uh, successfully, all nominal, as they would say. But um, then all of a sudden, bam, you had government officials actually speaking out and going on the record uh, how they're Maybe they didn't say worried at the beginning, but they're they're focusing more on China's space program, and uh, and now recently that's been a big thing. They've been really focusing on and watching and talking about China's space program, and here you know it looks like the funding is going to be available for the uh, the American space program. So that's a good thing. Yeah, we keep we got to keep. Uh, keep going forward because um you know we we can't completely rely on SpaceX although they're carrying a big part of the the space load right now um we've got other things going on with the SLS you know Artemis 1 and and all that and then uh SpaceX is doing their uh Falcon Heavy and and uh uh Boeing is you know uh, gearing up and and Northrop Grumman just you know everything so 
that's a good sign, I guess. So we'll keep you updated on all the space programs that interest space enthusiasts. And speaking of Boeing, Boeing has said it will take another charge against its earnings because of the CST-100 Starliner commercial crew program as the company and NASA get closer to a first flight of the vehicle with astronauts on board. Now, a charge is, um, you know, it's going to dip into their profits. So, um, you know, they're not going to be able to say that they made, they're going to actually, it's like like paying paying a bill (laughs) with their profits, I would imagine. Uh, It says here from uh, spacenews.com, Boeing said July 27th it will take another charge against its earnings because of the uh, CST-100 Starliner commercial crew program as the company and NASA get closer to the first flight of the vehicle with astronauts on board. This time they're going to have astronauts. Now the last, you know, flights, um, the first one, you know, as we talked about in the past, didn't make it up to the ISS, but they did quite a few tests while they were still in orbit. Now their second test uh, was crewless, but it did make it to the ISS successfully. It says Boeing in its second quarter financial results release, said it recorded a $93 million charge in the quarter from its commercial crew program, driven by launch manifest updates and additional costs associated with OFT-2, the second uncrewed test flight of the vehicle that took place in May. Although the company did not elaborate on specific issues that caused the charge and only briefly mentioned the program during an earnings call with financial analysts dominated by the company's commercial airliner programs. Uh, this article goes on, and it's pretty interesting here. Um, but, yeah, so they, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, when that first uh, test flight did not occur, uh, uh, as it should have, they, they were hoping it had, um, going, you know, up to the ISS because of the issues. And then the issues they had to re- fix to do, actually do the uh, a, uh, OFT number two, which was successful. Um, now their first crude uh, launch and uh, docking with the ISS, you know, is coming up. And, you know, they're, they got to spend more money. Whenever something, whenever there's a glitch, it's going to cost you more money, especially in space stuff. Um, yeah, it's definitely, you want to make sure that you've got your bases covered. So, uh, we'll hear more about the Boeing. It's actual, looking forward to, I know a lot of people are excited about, um, Boeing's Starliner, the first crew flight. I sure am. Rocket Lab to supply solar power units for U.S. Space Force missile warning satellites from Space News. Uh, Rocket Lab announced its solar power business will supply solar cells for three missile warning satellites that Lockheed Martin is building for the U.S. Space Force. The agreement with Lockheed Martin announced July 27th is to supply solar cells and radiation-hardened assemblies for the geostationary next-generation overhead persistent infrared satellites, the first of which is scheduled to launch in 2025. The satellites will be operated by the U.S. Space Force and provide initial warning of a ballistic or tactical missile launch anywhere on the globe. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you, missile warning and space surveillance, that's what we used to call it. Actually, um, that was one of the 
first, when I ended up at Peterson Air Force Base, which is, what is it now, Peterson Space Force Base in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, that was the um, organization I was assigned to when I transferred from uh, a base in California. When the Army, I worked um, in Automated Systems Division uh, on ATE, Automated Test Equipment, for the Army at that time. And our, unfortunately, as, as base closures happened, the base closed, and they transferred me to Colorado, which was a blessing, <laughs> to get out of California and end up in Colorado. And, you know, and I eventually got out of Colorado, and, and I'm here in Oklahoma. And that's a blessing, a, a big blessing. But, um, yeah, I was in missile warning and space surveillance. And uh, we didn't have things like this. I mean, we, we did, but not to the, to the point that they have here now. The technology is way more advanced than when I was in there. And that was the uh, early 90s um, when I ended up in missile warning and space surveillance as my, one of the first things. But I worked, I worked in a lot of the different uh, organizations within um, the support for um, things like that and, and then ended up uh, with supporting space my last um, 15 or so years, uh, space industry uh, for the DOD. But like I said, it's um, really interesting to see uh, the, the, the missile warning and uh, monitoring that they have the technology now, rather than only the ground units, you know, the, the space um, systems also that can do it. But hey, this is a pretty good article if you'd like to go check it out. Um, it is very, very involved and uh, well worth the read. The link is on my Twitter feed. Now, this story was a big story for a while. I mean, it was mad. I mean, it was so big that even three of the four of my local news stations actually tweeted this out within the hour of when it was announced. Somebody said, and I'm, I'm guessing, you know, I'm not sure. There's so many different versions of this story, but someone in Roscosmos said, hey, we're pulling out of the International Space Station in 2024, and we're going to go our own way. We're going to build our own space station. Well, it looks like they're still going to do that. But um, it's not as it seemed right off the bat, as people were, it's like, ah, the sky is falling, or, you know, are they going to, is the, is, are the Russians going to disconnect the Russian uh, segment of the ISS, and, and what, what's going to happen, you know, and there were so many speculations going on, because someone said something, but was that someone that said something, actually someone who was supposed to say something, well, anyway, now, I guess, and there's so many articles out there, I do have a few of them on the Twitter feed, but the last one I put on there, it says, um, Russian space officials have informed the U.S. counterparts that Moscow would like to keep flying its cosmonauts on the International Space Station at least until their own orbital outpost is built. Now, whether that's going to be in 2024, we'll just have to wait and see. But it's not as dire as many people were posting you know, when they heard the news in the beginning. Now, there's also, uh, now I do have a link to that article, of course, but there's also a really cool link I have from, uh, and I'm not even going to say this this person's name. It's uh, Katya Palvoschenko, but um, tweets out, Yesterday, Roscosmos published a big interview with Vladimir Solovyv, the general designer of RSC. Injera, and the flight director of the Russian segment of the ISS. 
he talked about a lot about the planned ROSS station. That's the Russian uh, space station they're going to be coming up with. Here is a quick summary for you. And then they've got a, and 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 I would if you you know if you like this kind of stuff, especially you know about the Russian segment and and this big news that came out, I would definitely click on this link because it is a super duper interview with this person and talks about the possible designs of the space, their space station and what it's going to do, what it's going to possibly look like. There's graphics in there that shows you what their station might look like. It's a must-read, I'll tell you. It's a must-read. So um, Now, that one, I, I, I say some major details about the proposed Russian space station, ROSS. And my link is uh, July 27th, and it links to the Twitter feed of this other person. And then that link, when you click on that, it'll actually bring up the interview. But this, this definitely is a must, 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 must read if you're interested in uh, what's going to be going on with the Russian uh, you know, space um, station once they uh, are away from the International Space Station. And last week we talked about a little bit about some of the um, commercial space stations that are going to be going on when the ISS. So a lot of stuff going on with the space station, a lot of speculation. And, but this is a very, very interesting article and very, very detailed. China's Tianzhou-3, the um, cargo uh, module that was at the uh, Tiangong space station, has, and that was, you know, it, it undocked to make room for the uh, laboratory module that recently, and we talked about it last week, recently docked in uh, the Shenzhou-14 crew, uh, China's uh, Shenzhou-14 crew. Astronauts, you know, entered and, and they gave her like a, a little tour of it and all that. I, I did talk about that last week and and um, actually uh, of their docking. But um, yeah, so it, it has re-entered the atmosphere, um, Andrew Jones tweets out. So there's a link there on that. Also, China's 26th launch of 2022 occurred. I guess, um, let's see, I guess they let uh, six, was it six scientific satellites were successfully launched uh, in this uh, rocket. And uh, there's more to this rocket. I guess it's the first time ever that it was launched. Uh, it was a CAS Space Company Limited. Is the They launched this rocket uh, successfully. Pretty good article. Uh, I do have a link there. You can actually watch the launch video of the launch and click on there and read about the, the, the rocket itself. So there's a lot, lot of details there, a lot of technical information, and a lot of information that, that they share on uh, this project. So uh, you can go check that out. Also, I guess uh, a jacket that Buzz Aldrin uh, wore to the moon. Uh, it went on auction block, and I guess they got $2.8 million for this jacket uh, worn in 1969 on the historic uh, first mission to the moon's surface. So, um, wow, nearly $2.8 million for for this jacket. I wonder if they're, oh, I would imagine if you're paying $2.8 million, you're going to wear it at least once, but then be kind of interesting to see what they're going to do with that um, afterward. But a lot of money for a jacket. But I guess, you know, hey, if you got that kind of money, which, um, you know, not well, I don't know how many people have that kind of money, but... <laughs> I, if I got a, there's no way I could buy a jacket like that. For gosh sakes, I, I got to go to a thrift store pretty much to get um, the jackets now. But you're not going to find a jacket in the thrift store that uh, was on the moon, or will you? you? You never know. You never know.
Yeah, you can find some pretty cool things in thrift shops. I lo- love going to those things now because it's not only because it's very affordable, you can find some very interesting things. I get a lot of my fishing tackle um, at a thrift shop and I fish some of my fishing rods and reels and just bought another lure today. Um, it's you know you go. I can get a whole tackle box sometimes for fifty bucks, full of tackle. You know, four or five hundred dollars worth of tackle if you went into the store. But um, bought a bought one today, a new uh, top uh, water uh, crankbait um, for about a quarter of what it would cost in the store. So, but like I said, you're not going to get a two point eight million dollar jacket that went to the moon for for in a in the uh, thrift shop. But yeah, I, I would imagine there's probably some things in the thrift shop that a lot of people don't know what they are, and they could be, you know. I'm saying a lot of these rocks, I know I used to buy a lot of um, little meteorites and things like that. And um, um, But there's, you know, there's plenty of meteorites here on Earth if you want to go search them out. Also, one time I actually found some rocks that actually looked like moon rocks because I asked somebody, I go, hey, there's these moon rocks they were, they were showing. Uh, and, you know, moon rocks have, have been found on Earth. Uh, and he sure looked like it, but they also, I wasn't sure, and they looked like they, they could have been, and they would have had to have been researched pretty much. But uh, definitely Buzz Aldrin has some pretty cool stuff, you know, if you follow him. on I, I read his tweets sometimes, and he's got a lot of memorabilia, um, you know, and, he, and this is one of, one of the pieces of memorabilia that he, that he gave up. Uh, to belong to someone else, which, you know, sharing the wealth, sharing history, sharing lunar history. And speaking of lunar, uh, the Korean Pathfinder Lunar Orbiter is going to be taking off. It's scheduled to launch uh, on a Falcon 9 rocket, SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket, from Cape Canaveral on August 1st. At uh, The scheduled launch time is 2337 UTC. It'll be South Korean's uh, launch of a moon mission called KPLO, Korean Pathfinder Lunar Orbiter. I guess there's going to be some Roscosmos cosmonauts. They'll be conducting a radio communication session aboard the ISS. Um, And this is QRZ Now has tweeted that out, uh, that they're going to be doing that. Interesting. So that's going to be done on July 30th. And uh, I do have a link to that. Um, you can go check it out. But, you know, every once in a while, the cosmonauts or the astronauts will be getting on the amateur radio. And uh, this seems like it's going to be one. It's going to be, uh, let's see, 145.8. They're going to have students will be in touch. Uh, signals will be heard over the, uh, oh, that's, you know, we're not going to be able to hear it, probably. It's going to be in, in uh, over Russia, it looks like. Um, let's see, all amateur radio uh, operators are requested not to interfere with radio communications uh, during this time. Let's see, uh, re- reception frequency, one, like I said, 145.800. Uh, students will be in touch. Signals will be heard over the territory of Europe and Siberia. So it doesn't look like it's going to be over the U.S. So, um, But I'm sure um, if you follow this kind of stuff on Twitter or any other social media, maybe somebody will share some of the things they hear. Um, when these cosmonauts are actually talking with uh, students uh, who they will be in touch with. So kind of interesting stuff. And as I was talking about earlier, about the new module, the laboratory uh, module, uh, the Wintian Laboratory Cabin Module that uh, recently docked with the Tiangong Space Station, China's Tiangong Space Station, 
Now there is a link on there from CNSA Watcher, who always gives us good information on the China's space program. Uh, does have a video showing the Shinzu 14 crew inside the laboratory module. And I would suggest if you enjoy that kind of stuff as a space enthusiast, go check out the link on my Twitter feed and you can actually watch that uh, video of them entering and uh, displaying and kind of giving a, a little bit of a tour of their new laboratory cabin module. Now, you've seen, I'm sure as a space enthusiast, the uh, SpaceX Falcon 9 first stage land uh, after launch many, 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 many times. Um, it, it, it's, you know, very successful with its landing, the, you know, that they reuse that uh, stage over and over and over sometimes. And uh, you've seen it land. You've seen it launch, then you've seen it land. They do cover that live. And, uh, you know, you can watch it on social media, YouTube, on the SpaceX channel, the whole bit. But this man named Joe Barnard, Barnard, B-A-R-N-A-R-D, he does model rockets. And he's been working on this model rocket for a while. But this is something that I'm looking forward to. He's going to be releasing the video of this. He may have already released it. I haven't looked, um, followed up yet. But on the 24th of July, he tweets out, I started BPS Space almost seven years ago in the fall of 2015 with the goal to uh, land a model rocket. I had no background in aero, triple E, coding, etc. So it took a lot of trial and error. But today, I finally stuck the landing. And he's got a picture of the model rocket already landed. But he said he was going to be sharing the video. So he has worked for all that time on you know different projects, I guess, with model rockets. But this time he landed this launched and then landed this model rocket, I guess similar to what the SpaceX uh, Falcon um, first stage does. So uh, I would check that out because, you know, now let's see, I'm looking at his Twitter feed here real quick. Uh, well, let's see, onboard footage. Yes, it looks like it sure did. One hour ago, it looks like he did this. He's, he's oh, oh, wow. Yep, he did it. He did actually shared the video of his landing of it says onboard footage from Scout F's first successful propulsion landing propulsive landing this one is a little more slam than hover because of ignition variation and fixed burn time some landings need to touch down harder than others even with throttle control so he has uh, shared it and, and I have a link on the Twitter feed there on uh, the 24th and if you click on his Twitter handle which is at Joe Barnard Barnard I guess Joe J-O-E B-A-R-N-A-R-D that's the at sign before that for his Twitter handle you can go check out his cool videos of his model rocket landing awesome what a job that's that's really cool. Well, that's it. Until next time.